0: are you crafty do you care about the environment then you should check out crafty star studio owned and operated by lisa gorman crafty star sells products that have the planet in mind the products are made from materials that are reused compostable or recyclable go to craftystarstudio.ca and check out the amazing selection of products today and support a small business that supports saving the planet catch you in a road wave i be surprised i'm gonna rise and flash my toothcate all the buff dudes take on the beach food they're gonna need a figure bone mayors real soon i'm a sea king a cgi thing i'm here to eat them my teeth to shake a tail. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Bucket of Chum, the shark movie podcast. We are in week two of Retro November, and this week we are talking about a movie all the way back from 1956 called The Shark Fighters, directed by Jerry Hopper. I gotta say, the poster is pretty cool for this movie. I love these 1950s painted posters. And the big tagline on this poster is Man Against Tiger Shark. Is that what's actually going to happen in this movie? Well, I guess we're going to have to wait and find out. So let's start off with a plot synopsis for this movie. During World War II, U.S. Navy scientists working in Cuba attempt to find an effective shark repellent in shark-infested waters. And then I just wanted to get into some interesting trivia that I found on IMDb. Uh, the first one off here is actually kind of tragic. So special effects artist Russell Shearman was attacked and killed by a shark while filming underwater in the Caribbean Sea off Cuba. Wasn't really much else on that, but yeah, very unfortunate incident in this movie for sure. Uh, this was also the first major Hollywood production filmed entirely in Cuba. Um, this was made before the trade embargo, so, you know, the you know, people in the U.S. can go there whenever they felt like it. This movie is also based on real events in the development of a shark repellent by the U.S. Navy in World War II. So that was kind of interesting. Um, and I guess apparently they used the repellent that they come up with in this movie until like... Well, they didn't come up with it in this movie, but what the movie is about. Uh, they used it until 1973, I guess, until they realized that it does it's not really as effective as they think it is, I guess. And the movie was also filmed in the middle of the Cuban Revolution. Oh, what fun that must have been. The average letterbox rating is between two and two and a half stars, but let's see how I feel about it and let's dive in. We're introduced to the area of Isla of Pines and some history of its founding and how its people use the sea for living. And the people there are English-speaking, and then we're told in 1943 the U.S. Navy came here for Project Shark Chaser. The narrator tells us this film is dedicated to those of the Navy and the people of the Isles. We see some men on a boat looking up at the sky at the sound of planes, and at an airfield we see a plane land, and two naval officers exit the plane, and one of them returns to the plane to fly back off, and the other grabs his luggage and walks off. His name is Lieutenant Commander Ben Staves. He walks into the village passing by houses and meets with another officer who introduces him to the place and says the place has a bay of sharks they're trying to get rid of. The man shows him to the shore and says the temperature and everything is perfect for sharks. Two men on the dock see Staves and one of them gives us some exposition and tells us Staves was the captain or commander of a submarine and then it was hit by a torpedo and him and his men were stranded and stuck in shark infested waters and after all that there were only 12 of them left. So this is the main reason this guy is here. He's had experience with sharks, and I guess on some level, it's probably personal for him. The other officer says he assumes Staves is there to relieve him of duty, but Staves says the Navy thought that he could use his help because of his experience with sharks, and he's not there to undermine his operation or take over. He's just there to help. The officer says he'll show Staves to his quarters, but Staves says he'll start working right now. The other officer, um, whose name is Commander Evans, asks Staves what he knows about sharks, and Staves replies they have terrible table manners. (laughs) Oh, hilarious. Evans takes Staves down to the docks and tells the men they're going to give Staves a demonstration of what they've been working on. They all get on the boat, and one of the locals starts talking to Staves about fishing and how fishermen aren't as important as they used to be, but men who can drive machines are. And he plans to move to Detroit to work on machines and learn how to read. Big dreams this guy has. His name is Carlos, just a young kid, you know, trying to make it in Cuba. He's probably going to die. They both through the water as they look for sharks, and they finally spot some and drop anchor. But all we really see is some, like, water splashes at first, and then we get some more close-up looks at, like, shark fins, and Evan says that they're one of the most fearsome creatures out there. Evans grabs some chum from a bucket, hey and tosses some fish in the water. And he continues to give some information on sharks and how a man half submerged in the water is, uh, is in more danger than somebody who's fully submerged because they can't see what's all around them. They've tested over 200 different possibilities to deter the sharks, and a couple of times they thought they had it figured out. They'd send it, whatever it was, to Washington, uh, but then they get reports back that it doesn't work and they have to start all over again. Evans starts doing a control test to make sure the sharks are hungry, so they dip some, like, half-cut fish into the water. Like, the fish is cut in half. It's not not a drug fish. That would be funnier, though. And it's just to get the sharks all riled up. And then Evans and Staves talk about the testing progress as they continue to watch the sharks, and they seem to be avoiding the fish, so the repellent uh, they're using seems to work at first. Staves suggests they capture some sharks, Put them in a tank back on the island, but Evans points out that the sharks in captivity tend to be lazy and plastic, and they lose all their killer instinct. I mean, yeah, how would you like it if I took you out of your natural habitat and put you into a fucking tank? You think you'd be very happy? One of the sharks grabs the bait, and the test is a failure, and Stave says he sees he has a lot to learn. And Evans talks with his chemist, Duncan, and they come up with an idea for a new formula. Staves grabs a fish and throws it into the water, and then grabs a gun and starts shooting at one of the sharks. And everyone on the boat is a little confused. We see Staves has injured a shark and there's blood in the water and the other sharks start eating it. And then that's the end of that scene. What the fuck was that about? Like, no one's going to question this nonsense. The purpose is to deter sharks for one, not just kill them. And two... What were you planning on proving with this stunt? Number three, maybe tell the other people on the boat you plan on shooting a gun off in the middle of World War II. I'm just saying, my God, man, complete nonsense. And this is 1956. I expect this nonsense from like a 2022 movie, but my God. One of the Navy men, Geordie, gets one of the local kids to capture two chickens and asks for them to be Southern fried. Because this American don't want no Cuban chicken. He wants a goddamn southern fried some bitch. Jordy gives a beer to Duncan to go give to Staves. Staves thanks Duncan for the beer as he goes through some old reports. And then talks to Staves about how he wants to be fighting the war. And not there just playing with beakers. And Staves says if they find a repellent that works. Then his job is way more important than just playing with beakers. Staves says he'd appreciate him sticking around longer. And Duncan agrees and says can't blame him for trying. Staves meets Evans outside and goes over his reports and they talk about all the ideas they've had to deter sharks and Staves says they need to have more than one plan in place in case the current one blows up. So yeah, they're basically like putting all their eggs into one basket at a time instead of coming up with like multiple ideas. Which is just stupid. Like if you're coming up with something so important like this, don't just put all your eggs in one basket and be like, hey, we're only going to concentrate on this one thing. And if that doesn't work, then, oh, we'll just start all over again. Of course they would. Fucking government. Jesus Christ. Staves then says that from now on, everyone works seven days a week. Evans protests a bit, and one of the other men says he drives back and forth from Havana every week because they develop all their pictures in color for research, and he's concerned about spies or something, and then somehow this uh, gets Staves to agree that they can have every other weekend off, and then they celebrate with some more beer. There's a few scenes in this movie where, like, somebody says something, and then something happens, and I'm just... I don't understand how the two correlate to each other. Like, I don't understand how this man driving back and forth from Havana made them agree to have every other weekend off. I I don't understand how we got there. And there's a few scenes in this movie like this where it's just like, hey, blah, 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 blah. Oh, well, blah, blah, blah. Well, that had nothing to do with blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't fucking matter, apparently. So then Staves and a few of them drive into Havana and he meets his wife as she's uh, finishing up in the shower. Oh, and they kiss and she asks how long they'll be down there. And she says uh, she doesn't mind as long as he's home every other weekend. And then they bullshit back and forth and flirt and kiss some more. And like if this was in the 50s, there definitely would have been some boinking going on. Hey, honey, you want to be a star, don't you? Well, we better get in that bed and boink then, don't you say? Staves his wife Martha and Evans are all out at a bar or restaurant where a bunch of locals are dancing and playing music and later on Staves tries to get his wife to dance but she won't go for some reason so some other girl asks him to dance and he's like alright missed your chance and then he just gets up and starts dancing with her. I thought it was weird at first, but they don't make a big deal out of it. Like, and it's 50s dancing, so there's not really much sexiness to it. Like, oh, hey, let's do the hippity hop bop. I don't remember any dances from the 50s. You guys know what I'm talking about. No, you don't, because I don't know what I'm talking about. Evan's and Martha talk, and she asks if he likes her husband. And Evan says he's unsure. He understands him, but he isn't sure if he likes him. But he's very impressed with how fast he learns things. Martha asks why they all like wanted to get together and meet and Evan says he wanted to see how Staves was when he was relaxed and Martha says well he's pretty relaxed now but Evan says no not really he's like always ready and like got something going on up his sleeve or whatever and then he tries to say like this isn't a personal battle it's science and Martha tells him for Staves it is personal because he feels responsible for his men's deaths. Martha then asks Evans to look after him. His determination gets him in trouble sometimes. Oh, good old Martha looking after him. <sniffs> Staves returns to the table, and he forces Evans to go dance with the girl that he was just up there with. And now we're back at the dock, and one of the Navy men is giving uh, the local kid shit for losing his octopus. So I guess they had a trap with an octopus, and it escaped somehow. And then this is something that will come up later. And when I first saw this, I am just like, wow, okay, This has nothing to do with anything. It still kind of doesn't, but, like, the idea of the octopus does come up in a little bit. So, okay. Because they want to use it to deter sharks for some reason. All the men head back out on the boat. The local boy, uh, Carlos, is going around the boat, giving everyone coffee, and he's talking up staves. Duncan comes up to staves and says that with the new formula, once it's set up to Washington... And while they wait for the combat reports to come in, he can train a new man and they won't miss any time. So he can transfer Duncan like really wants to fight. He doesn't want to be here doing research. It's like very much that World War Two mentality of like, no, I want to go fight. I don't want to do anything else, which don't get me wrong. Very fucking noble. But like, dude, you're working on something that's like pretty important. Like the whole reason they're doing this is one for like people in like submarines, like and whatnot and ships That's saying, but also like pilots that get shot down over the water they want them to have like a deterrent so that they can survive until like a ship comes and finds them. carlos yells shark they come up to some sharks in the water drop anchor and then set up a tripod for the pictures they dip the half-cut fish and wait around and everyone's excited because it seems to be working evans is still skeptical saying he wants to be sure and stave says they've had nothing but positives for two weeks But Evan says he wants, like, two more weeks, and Stave says, no, they don't need it. And, like, I can kind of get where both of these guys are coming from. Like, one is like, hey, this seems to be working. Like, let's just get it out there. Keep soldiers safe and whatever. But then the other guy, like, the scientist, is like, well, no, there's more work to be done. And, spoiler alert, uh, fucking Evans is right. Stave says he's sending the new formula up, and Evan says he won't put his name on it, and Stave says, like, he doesn't have to. And then they argue about it some more. They pull up anchor, and Carlos is very excited and says, oh, yeah, we got it, we got it, and he starts jumping around the boat like a maniac, and then he falls in the water. Staves tells Carlos to swim to the repellent area, so he swims, and he's paddling, and then the camera guy on the boat films him. Doesn't even try to help, just continues fucking filming. Staves tells Carlos to stay in the repellent area, and he'll throw him a line. So Carlos is surrounded by sharks. Staves throws him a line, and they start dragging him in, but a shark attacks him, and the line breaks. A couple of men dive into the water to get Carlos, while another starts shooting at the sharks. The men manage to get everyone on the boat, but Carlos is dead, and next we is at his funeral. A few Navy men and a bunch of locals watch him lowered into the ground. Staves goes up to Evans at the cabin and says he said something about an octopod. Evans doesn't really respond, and Staves, like, pressures him some more, and he looks over at Duncan and asks him if he still wants to transfer, and Duncan says he'll stay if he thinks he can come up with something else, and Staves says they will. So, like, basically everybody just feels kind of guilty about Carlos dying, so of course Duncan's not going to leave right now. Even if he does still want to, he's not going to be like, oh, fuck yeah, I do. So Staves says he doesn't want to hear anything else about transferring, and he asks Evans what he needs for this octopod. And Evans says, well, capture an octopus and run a test. Which, I I mean, Staves kind of had that one coming. That's a pretty, you know, simple thing. So Staves tells Duncan to go trap an octopus. Evans then tells Staves he resents the fact that he's there, and if that the Navy isn't happy with his progress, then they can take him off the project, and remind Staves that he wanted to send that stuff up to Washington, despite the fact that he didn't want to, and so he agrees to continue with Staves, but he's not going to be pushed around anymore. Staves agrees and says, fine, I won't push you around anymore, but before they send anything else to Washington in order to be sure, they must run a test with a man in the water. And then we cut to Duncan scuba diving, and he's looking for an octopus, I believe. We see one swimming around, and he follows. He starts swimming to the surface, and we see that he's caught this octopus. So there is a little bit of underwater photography here. Uh, For the most part, it was somebody following an octopus with a camera. And then the rest of it was just, it was like they just had somebody on the surface pointing a camera down as somebody scuba dived. So there wasn't even that much extensive underwater photography in this part i was just hoping for a little bit more like i know it's 1956 but like if you've seen the creature from the black lagoon you know that they were capable of more than what we see in this movie anyways they put the octopus in a cage and they put it in the water with the sharks when the octopus squirts ink the sharks like scatter away and stave says they might have something and then they go back to the lab Evans watches Duncan as he makes a mixture with some octopus ink and a bunch of other chemicals. And then we go with Staves and Martha as they lie on a beach and kiss and they decide to go swimming and they start frolicking in the water. And then Staves swims into a piece of palm tree and it scares the shit out of him. So he turns back and Martha follows shortly after. So like this guy is like absolutely traumatized by sharks in the water after uh, his ship or his uh, submarine was uh, struck by a torpedo because even like a fucking palm leaf scared the shit out of him and this is something that i actually wish they'd explored a little bit more the fact that he was like kind of afraid of the water like they i know they're gonna show him being a macho man as much as possible but like it would have been nice to kind of explore this area a little bit more you know so after he gets back to the beach martha asks him what went wrong and he tells her to go get ready so they can leave And then we cut back to the lab. Staves is there with Duncan, and he comes up with an idea for their human trials. And Duncan says that if the man in the water had lines attached to him, the boat crew could pretty much determine his movements, and then they could hook him up to some winches. Staves says that would bruise them up pretty badly, but then again, not as bad as a shark. So Staves agrees, and Duncan volunteers to be the man in the water. And then they kind of go back and forth on this and Staves is like, no, you're not going to be the man in the water. Duncan's like, I should be the man in the water. And then they're interrupted by Evans as he's coming out of the cabin or lab and asks Duncan and Staves to join him to look at the footage of their last test, the one where Carlos died, uh, because he thinks that they can learn something from it. So the three of them go inside, watch the footage, and Evans says that the deterrent didn't work because it was too dissipated. And when it gets closer to Carlos's death, Staves yells for them to turn it off. I don't know why they watched this footage. They learned absolutely fucking nothing from it. It was completely pointless other than the fact to piss off Stave some more or to give him some more motivation, I guess, because he's like rewatching and reliving Carlos's death. But other than that, like it was pretty goddamn pointless. He asks Evans how many tests they have to make, and Evans says around 200, and Stave says they'll do it in 100, and they argue about this. I, I don't fully know what they're arguing about. I guess maybe Evans wants to do more tests, Stave wants to do fewer, uh, I don't know. These two are just constantly at each other because Evans, I guess, feels threatened by him because he feels like he was there to like push him out of his job or whatever. Um, I'd also like to point out that we really have not seen that many sharks so far in this movie, and I am just about done with my notes here. So uh, I- I'll get into it later. I'll-, I'll keep going here. So Staves goes to the U.S. Embassy and meets with a Navy man, and then he asks for some riflemen who are good shots, and he'll need them for, like, the last 40 tests they're performing. And they need them because they feel... In order to fully test the repellent, they need to do it with a man in the water, and people would just feel more comfortable if there were a couple of sharpshooters there, which makes sense. Staves then informs the man that he'll be the one in the water, and the man suggests that Staves gets the proper authority, go through the proper channels, because his office can't be held responsible for this. So they go back and forth. The man eventually agrees with Staves' plan, but says that, like, it doesn't mean that the Navy, like, approves this by any means. So They're just kind of acknowledging it. And so next we see a list over a shot of the boat and it goes up in numbers and it's like test number 66 positive, test 67 positive. And then Staves tells Evans that they should head back to shore and set up for the main test in the morning. Evans points out that they've only had 77 positives and he agreed to do 100. Stave says that this one hasn't failed yet, and Evan says he'll agree to send up the formula for the Navy to start testing in the field, and they'll continue to do the next 23 tests, and then go through the proper channels for the man test. Stave says no, he can't wait any longer. Evan says he has no choice, and he has to tell Navy Command what he's planning, and they'll never let him go through with it. Stave says he doesn't care what he does, and he'll be on that boat tomorrow morning. Duncan comes up to Evans and says he has to stop him, but Evans says he can't, and he also thinks that Staves is right. He's always been right, but he hasn't been able to admit it until now. I mean, I don't know. Staves has been a little bit too pushy. I understand maybe Evans is a little too cautious sometimes, but, like, it, like what you're searching for isn't something to just be fucking rushed. So I'm kind of with Evans on this for, like, 90% of the times, because Staves is just kind of like a... I don't know, he just... Trying to bulldoze through fucking everything. Evans visits Martha and asks if Staves is there. And she says that she didn't even know he was in town. And then Evan tells her, oh, he came up here this morning. So he should be here not not too far behind. They sit outside and have a drink. And Martha asks, like, what they're doing down there. And Evan says, oh, we're just looking for a shark repellent. And then she says, no, 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 there's something going on with Staves. Evan says, oh, we've just hit a snag in the project. And she continues to pressure him further and be like, no, there's something else going on. And he says, you just ask Staves about it. And then she says, like, a Navy wife never asks her husband his business because he either can't answer or won't. So you're asking, like, his friend and you think that he's going to answer? Like, that doesn't make any sense. She pressures him some more and asks, like, what's going on? And then Staves comes out onto the patio and she goes inside to grab a drink. He looks over at Evan's and Evan says he didn't tell her anything and then shows him some things he got for the experiment before Martha comes back out. Evan says everything should be lined up for the morning and the sharpshooters will be joining them as well. And then Staves and Martha go to a restaurant and then Martha tries to confront Staves. He says, don't ask, don't worry. And he knows he's not too much of a husband, but of all the things that have happened to him in all of his life, she's the most important thing. Aww and in order to be deserving of her, he needs to go tomorrow morning to prove himself. Oh, look at me, I'm a 1950s macho man. I can't deal with my feelings, so I'm gonna go swim with sharks. Do-do-do-do-do. The next day, everyone is at the boat ready to go. The sharpshooters seem concerned about the boat they're on, but they eventually shove off. The spotter finds a shark and they head towards it. They drop anchor and Staves gets ready to go in the water and everyone else gets ready. Evans reminds Staves that all they've proved at this point so far is that it works with dead bait and that there's no shame in hollering to come back in. Before getting in, Staves tells Duncan he put him up for a transfer on a destroyer and asks if that's okay with him. Duncan says thanks and Staves gets in the water. He swims about 20 feet out and pours out the deterrent. One of the spotters spots a shark, but then it disappears. The shark returns and approaches Staves and the boat and it swims around him. That shark disappears, and another one starts swimming around. It gets close to Staves, but not close enough to attack. More sharks approach, but swim around Staves without approaching him too close. The men then spot a pack of sharks, as they call it, and they head towards Staves, but don't come into the repellent area. One of the sharpshooters starts shooting, and Evans tells him to stop. Staves tells him to pour out more deterrent, and they pour it into the water with the hose, while Staves swims back to the boat, and they pull him on board. One of the men gives Staves a beer, and the boat drives off into the sunset, because now apparently it's almost nighttime, and we roll credits. Yeah, this was a slow fucking movie. I liked the idea of the movie, and I remember reading that before the movie went into full production, they shot a bunch of underwater stuff, and I guess a bunch, um in 1950s is just the shots they needed because there was not much underwater photography in this like I said earlier there was way more in the creature from the Black Lagoon this story is like it's something I'd like to see adapted with modern technology and a few more like artistic liberties but I think the story is interesting enough and you can do it in such a way that it could actually make a pretty decent shark movie I mean, just with 1956, I guess they didn't have the technology or the money to really do the things that would have made this movie better. So I'm talking more underwater photography because every time we see the sharks, I'm hard pressed to think of a time where I actually saw like the front of the shark or like the jaws, because every time we see it, we see like the fin or we see like the tail uh, swimming through the water. And then like, that's it. And that's pretty much all there is. Oh, and if they had just waited like 20 more years, Batman would have had a shark repellent ready for them to go. If you don't know what I'm referring to, you should uh, go over to patreon.com forward slash bucket of chum and listen to my episode on some of my all-time favorite shark scenes in otherwise non-shark movies. But yeah, as far as a rating on Letterboxd goes, I kind of have to agree with the average rating of 2.5 stars. It's not a bad movie, but there's just not much going on. And there's very little shark action to go off of. I think I was more interested in like the history and story of this than I was the actual plot of this movie. Like even the stuff with Martha. There wasn't enough time with these two to build a relationship to for me to actually like really care about her. So again, like there's a lot of things that they could have built upon and they just didn't really do it. And it's unfortunate because, I don't know, the story was pretty interesting. I do appreciate, you know, that right at the very beginning, they dedicated this to the men who actually worked on this project and the people of uh, Cuba that lived on the Isle of Pine. So I appreciate that. But overall, definitely a 2.5 star rating. But that was the Shark Fighters from 1956. Don't forget, you guys can follow me on all the social medias. That's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Slasher, all Bucket of Chum podcast. Go to BucketofChumPodcast.com for more information. I've just added a new tab to the website actually called Brands. Um, So there's just some brands you guys should check out. Um, There's one thing that I'm sponsoring. I'm sponsoring the Oddly Dark YouTube channel. Go check that out. It's on the website. Check out the website. It's a great time. And if you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash bucket of chum, $2 a month. We only have the one tier right now. You get a newsletter every month. You get an episode, Patreon only posts, all kinds of great stuff, but that's it for me. And I'll see you guys next time for all new episode of bucket of chum. Hey everybody i'm josh and i'm brett if you're looking for a different horror podcast one that stands out from the rest well don't look here <laughs> absolutely not every week we talk about our favorite horror movies and some of our favorite aspects of those horror movies so that's something that interests you check us out the only thing that sets us apart is that it's us so if you like the sound of our voices check us out at the evil Death podcast wherever it is that you find podcasts hey everybody and welcome to twisted tales just a quick little uh short and sweet segment of uh some serial killers missing people murders all that fun stuff so just gonna give this to you best i can and um you know thanks for listening subscribing whatever i appreciate you take care